Ogumbawale for the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal. Remind you, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. Make sure to listen every single day. We've got Dave Ibrahim. We've got Eric Ayala, the great Lindsey Gibbs. Every single day, women's basketball, five days a week. Uh, it's something I'm very excited about. As somebody who's been part of the show for five years, how much it is built and developed. Make sure you rate and review us. And make sure you support our sponsor, which is Built Go. Built Go is a 1.5 ounce drink that you take to give you energy, three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, or chocolate mint. You can put it in your briefcase if you're going somewhere, or if you're like me and you are trapped in the house for the foreseeable future, you can drink it on your way up the stairs from downstairs to upstairs. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein, Make sure you go to BuiltGo.com, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. LOCKED for 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. And speaking of somebody full of energy, despite no coffee, no coffee. We're recording this on Friday morning, and Alexa Philippou, who I'm going to need to take a moment, by the way, and talk about Alexa's work and how great it is before we get into it. But she's talking to us pre-coffee, and yet fully energized, understands the context of everything, and that's how her work goes. You know, I've covered this game for a long time, and there's a balance you got to strike when you're covering the game of women's basketball, like any other sport. There's the need to inform, and then there's the need to get into specifics for people who follow it all the time. When I read one of your stories, Alexa, I come away with it learning something new. And that's really significant because I obsess about this stuff, and I cover it too. And so the fact that you're able to make things accessible and that I'm still able to learn as somebody who's in it is really remarkable. So, uh, Alexa Philippou, Hartford Current, thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. That was like the best compliment you could give to a reporter. Thank you so much for having me. Howard, for all of your support over the last however long I've been in this job and even before, so I'm Always. happy to be here. Always. And and before we get into the specifics of the job you do, I want to talk with you very briefly about the current situation. You know, journalism is in a difficult moment in 2020. The Hartford Current, you know, to my mind, is a civic institution. It's been around for well over a century. Uh, there's some new ownership involved and there's uh, some support that all of us listening uh, can be a part of. Can you take us through the ways in which people need to let everybody know how important your work is? Oh, well, I, it's hard, you know, I've always had a hard time saying, oh, my work is, you know, the most important work happening, you know, the current, because I see the current too. I see the behind the scenes of what they're doing just from a civic standpoint, set aside basketball, set aside UConn, um, the important work they're doing to keep our communities informed. Um, and I've seen that every day since I've been at The Current since starting last August. But, I mean, <clears throat> when you do think about the women's basketball side of things, I, I'm very kind of aware of how fortunate that 
it is that I, I'm in this job, in a job where you don't really see many kind of newspaper roles or even just maybe full-time um, reporter roles where you're reporting on entirely women's basketball all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the reasons why when I saw this job opening pop up, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a unicorn like position for me. And luckily was, you know, fortunate enough to get the job. But, um, you know, I it is, you know, really important, I think, to keep making sure that this kind of the sustainability of the current um, obviously, it's way more important than just women's basketball. Um, but when you do think about the women's basketball side of things, um, you know, the current's been covering UConn, obviously, from the start of the dynasty and um, been going to road games for the whole time that, um, I, I mean, for years, for decades, um, yeah. while other papers, like, have had to cut back. Um, I don't even know where that stands <clears throat> this season, truthfully. But, um, yeah, I think it's, um, it is really important to have that continued voice whether or not, you know, way before, that started way before I got here, and I'll continue way before, hopefully, I, you know, I if I ever leave or whatever happens to me, but, um, yeah. God I think forbid. It's, it's really important all, all around. I, I, I mean, it's a great message. God forbid. Well, what a fatalistic thing. You will live forever, and I hope be able to <laughs> cover basketball forever, but, you know, something that's really significant, and, and, and you highlighted it a little bit, I've been at a lot of games where a newspaper will send the bottom person on the totem pole, you know, whoever's the intern for the summer. And that person comes along with a real lack of expertise, a real lack of knowledge. Listen, I remember being at a regional NCAA tournament and the the question comes up on a regular basis. (laughs) It's my favorite question. That is asked by like the clueless drop-in women's basketball reporter to a coach, and this was March, so it was not new. And the question was like, "Tell us what we should know about your team if we hadn't seen them play before, right?" And and, and like so much women's basketball coverage has been like that, right? There's there's the like we don't cover it, and then there's stuff like that where like you just know. You're sitting there, and you've had this experience, I'm sure, as well. You just know some garbage stories coming out of that question, and nobody's <laughs> going to read. Like the the people who care about the subject aren't going to understand it. And so when I go when I go to a UConn game, and I go to cover a UConn game, and I see you, and I see Mike Anthony's doing a column, and there's like multiple people covering things from multiple angles. It does my heart good, but it also means that the coverage is going to reflect that. And so I spent a lot of my time trying to build new infrastructure for the coverage of women's basketball and the coverage of women's sports. And that's all well and good. But preserving what we have is so important too. Preserving what we have in this moment for for sports media and media as a whole is so vital. So, you know, I wrote a postcard and, and I know that's a small thing, but whatever I can do to sort of raise that awareness is significant to me. What can people do who see your work, who value your work, in order to let the people, the powers that be know, this is something that needs to continue, this needs to be expanded, if anything? Yeah, I think kind of going off of that, one of the things I think I've been thinking about just a lot over the last year, and really four years, is that what we see of our present, like we had to build towards that and it's not something we should take for granted. And I don't even mean just from the current standpoint, I mean even 
just at an institutional level at, in this country. It's a great point. Um, if that makes sense. And no, so, it does. The fact that right now I'm fortunate enough to, you know, there's this position that's been at the current for forever um, that I'm fortunate enough to, to be part of at this point in time. I, I'm not taking that for granted. Like we have to continue to fight for our future. And that's something because at the paper period is even more important because I mean, and if anything, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I haven't, it's not like I'm talking to the higher ups that are in charge of all this, but maybe women's basketball might be a position that they would keep, but like they're going to eliminate you know, the rest of the paper or like editors or you never know. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think even outside of that, it's all about, we have to fight. Like I said, we have to fight for this future that we, that we want. And that's the future where um, our, you know, our press institutions are thriving are robust. And in our view of, um, you know, a lot of people at the current, we want that to be locally owned, um, you know, locally owned um, for the current to be locally owned, local ownership. That's vital. Um, so we are right now part of where we've, kind of launched the Save Our Current <clears throat> campaign, which is part of what Howard was mentioning was he wrote a postcard to, um, to some higher ups at Tribune, which is our kind of parent company, and then Alden Global Capital, which is a hedge fund that owns a 32% stake in Tribune. And kind of, you know, you had your own message, but everyone could have written their own message. Mine was about, um, you know, trying to encourage them to return the current and other um, of our sister publications to local ownership because we believe that's going to be the most robust path forward for the current to thrive for, you know, and for, uh, you mentioned too, women's basketball coverage specifically um, for that to thrive. Um, so if anyone's interested, you can um, look on my Twitter um, account. I've, I tweeted out the link to write a postcard and we'll be doing, I'm sure many more actions just to continue to, um, promote the Save Our Current campaign, or you could also visit Save Our Current, which is C-O-U-R-A-N-T dot org. Obviously, follow Alexa on Twitter for lots of reasons, but this is this is one of them, <laughs> and make sure you do what you can. We need to support our media institutions. Yes, it is a bigger question than that of women's basketball, but those of us here in this corner of the world, it matters a lot, and it it's really vital that we speak up. Uh, there are bad faith actors who are trying to crush the importance of vital media coverage and they're doing it for their own reasons. And if, and, and, and Alexa talked about this, I've, I've run into this too, you know, the really good people like Alexa are so busy doing the damn thing that it's hard to want to step back and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's why you need to support it. Here's why it's important. So the rest of us need to step up with what we see. And so it's really important that you do this. So anyway, we're, we're, we'll talk about it more. I'm going to continue to highlight it uh, and amplify it in, in, in any way I can. But let, let's talk about the damn thing itself, which is Connecticut <laughs> basketball. And, and we're in this really interesting transition period where – a fair amount of, I would say, withdrawal is what I've been feeling this week as I watched one season come to an end and the next season start. And um, now, as I understand it uh, from Twitter, the UConn Huskies captured the WNBA championship this this week. Is that is that your understanding? Yeah, I heard a few of them were involved. I don't really think they did that much. <laughs> They're kind of probably just read the bench. Uh, for Morgan Talk. But, but... So, oh, I didn't mean that as a We, we love Morden. Morden, and Morden, by the way, who 
is a deeply skilled player, is a former lottery pick, played on four championship teams, and only got a few minutes. It's just like that speech alone to how deep this 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 Utah team, this Seattle Storm team, is led by Brianna Stewart, who uh, rumor has it also played at Connecticut, and Sue Bird, who apparently also played at Connecticut. But, you know, to see their legacy move forward this week, and you know, I've written about this, you've written about this, we have an opportunity, I feel like, to be seen in Brianna Stewart, a player who's doing things no one's ever done. And so there's a lot of back and forth, and there's even, you know, sort of meta conversation about comparing Brianna Stewart to who, right? Elena Deldon's an imperfect comparison for a few different reasons. Uh, you compare her to players in the men's game, and it's, you know, wow, why aren't we comparing her to people in the women's game? And part of it is because she's doing things nobody's ever done, but she's doing things nobody's ever done in the men's game either. And, and so when you kind of grapple with Brianna Stewart writ large, I'm just wondering, like, how do you think about her? I mean, if you, I'm a, a sucker for all those kind of Twitter threads or kind of lists where they just look that all of her mm-hmm. accomplishments. And I know that can be maybe a little reductive, but it's amazing when you really look at it. I mean, she's been a winner basically in every, you know, all four years of college, won the NCAA tournament, won the most outstanding player. So best player on the team. I love that distinction, by the way. Like, not only the four championships in four years, but playing alongside all Americans, playing alongside lottery picks like Morgan Tuck and Mariah Jefferson. It wasn't like she was a star among stars. She was the player. I mean, and and I covered those tournaments. Like, she was MOP. Like, there was no question about it. Right. Right. She's always kind of been, like, kind of been that best player on the team by far, and um, we saw that in, you know, the fact that it took her, what was it, two seasons, you know, she had the first two seasons in Seattle, and then the next two, is it, was it two before? I remember, I remember that's wrong. But then, you know, 2018, she was off 2019, 2020, that she and the, and the Storm were able to, once again, return to the mountaintop. She's clearly, you know, the MVP in this situation for the oh, finals. Yeah. Um, and the fact that she's, I mean, she's 26. That's the thing I can't get over. And she came off, of course, like I know everyone said this, I'm not saying anything new, but <clears throat> that she's coming off a, a devastating injury. She, I was thinking about this, Howard. We were at XL Center at the end of January, and Brianna Stewart was still, I mean, she wasn't nearly back to no. full form. It was like her first appearance on the court since, her, uh, since the I think Gino her. called her like 70% and, of what she, what she was. I think that was what he had said after the game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that sounds right. That sounds right. But then, you know, for her to turn around eight months later with the whole pandemic stirring off, I'm sure her rehab and everything in there, and to kind of pull out that performance that we saw and to be as young as she is and to, you know, and we, we know Seattle's returning a lot of pieces um, even mm-hmm. next year, too. It's just, and I know, of course, so are the Mystics, so are the Sun and everyone else. But it's just like it's impossible to look at her and her trajectory and not just think she's on I mean, she might be already one of the winningest people, um, one of the winningest, winningest players to play the game. But like in terms of actual just pure WNBA titles, she's, you know, who knows what the next rest of her career really has in store. I mean, if she retired today, and Lord knows 
there's no reason to think that will happen, and I hope it will never. That, like, that's almost as bad as thinking about you not covering women's basketball anymore. Like, that, that, is, that is something I will not consider. I will not think about. I'm not emotionally ready. I'm not emotionally ready for Diana and Sue to retire, which is going to happen, you know, presumably sooner than that. So I certainly am not ready for it. But right. that said, Brandon Stewart retires today. She's an inner circle Hall of Famer. You know, Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, Springfield, there's just no question with everything that Brianna Stewart has managed to accomplish already at age 26. And so here I am at 40 just, you know, thinking, you know, what what have I done with my life? It's very sad in, in, in comparison. But all of that said, she has a chance. You know, Rebecca Brunson won five. She's the only one who's ever won five. Maya's won four uh, along with that group, you know, with Lindsay Whalen and with Simone Augustus. They all had each other, and Rebecca Brunson was a vital player, but a supporting player. Brandon Stewart has a chance to win five or six as the key player on these championship teams, as the star among stars. It, it, it blows your mind. And then she's so matter-of-fact about this thing, like you said, this is an injury that ends careers. This is an injury that alters trajectories. And she's come back from it, and she's been... Every bit the player she was, and it just it just kind of blows your mind. And Sue Bird too. Sue Bird at thirty nine. Sue Bird yeah. turns forty later this month, and she came back from a knee injury at an age where it's difficult. And she talked about that in our our post game with her that she has struggled because you don't know if your body comes back from it. And her body not only came back from it, but her performance more than came back from it. She was a critical part, and she set her own record. I mean, 16 assists in game one of the WNBA Finals was her best single-game performance for assists ever. I don't really have a question. It's just kind of amazing, right? Yeah, I think, you know, with Sue, she's talked a lot about having to be kind of, you know, use her mental game and mental edge to her advantage because she's physically not, you know, where she used to be. And for Stewie, I think it's interesting because I think you've seen, you know, her, I mean, I just think the way that she ended her season too, like she looked really good um, for the regular season, especially I guess at the beginning of it. I know her, um, she had trouble, you know, with her shot maybe at the end of the regular season, which might have hurt her MVP bit Mm -hmm. a little bit. But then, you know, she and she had the um, I guess she got banged up a little bit, but then she comes back, and what we saw in those final six games was just, I mean, besides maybe when Nafisa Collier had those like five blocks on her in like the fourth quarter of, of game one of the semifinal series, so maybe just you know, but basically those six games was just, I mean, it was just dominance, like no one could stop her, and she's just, I mean, all over the floor too, and her, I just think the way she impacts the game too, I mean what she can bring on the defensive end and also just the way that her, um, you know, her game has developed is just more than, you know, making shots. She's just making an impact in early every facet of the game. Which Um, I think is, and I think that was really, I think at times is to her detriment, you know, and and in two ways, one that she's such a full force offensive player that people miss just how important she is at the defensive end, you know, as a rim protector, as somebody Mm -hmm. who just, you know, she creates these mismatches offensively, but she creates these mismatches 
defensively because Brianna Stewart can be whatever you need her to be. She can be your perimeter defender. She can defend five. She can do everything in between. But, you know, to your point about how dominant she was, she struggled a little with her shot. Uh, I actually, it's interesting, I voted for Asia Wilson for MVP, and it was a struggle. It was down to, like, the final day for me. And it came down to as simple as Asia played 22 games and her wins, uh, her win shares were 4.0, Stewie was 3.9. It was so close, but they had the same record. Asia won the head-to-head matchup. It was this very close thing. And then Stewie comes out, game one, game two against Minnesota, and she was good and effective, and they won, but she was shooting okay, which is what she had been down the stretch. And then in game three against Minnesota, 31 points, uh, seven, I believe, seven assists, six rebounds or or vice versa, zero turnovers. And Cheryl Reeves says after the game, she imposed her will on the game. And I saw her do that. And I saw the way she did it. It was just like, all right, that's the Stewie. That's another level. That's another level that maybe Asia Wilson eventually gets to someday. But that's a level I don't think I've seen anybody reach. And and my reminder, if I'm gonna, I'm going to throw a comp on it, I covered Mariano Rivera in the playoffs for the New York Yankees. That was what I thought of. This is a guy who was a dominant relief pitcher. But if you go back and look, I, I think it's ERA over a postseason that's effectively a full season's worth of innings. It's like 1.2. You know, he finds this level that no one in the history of the game has ever found. And it was just expected. It was just understood. And because it was so consistent at that level, I think it took a while for people to understand fully, oh, wow, what we're seeing is something we've never seen before and we may never see again. That's what Stewie is. That's what Brianna Stewart is as a player right now. And so I feel like she's undersold in that way because she doesn't have this great shot at the end of a game because she's already crushed you because she's already gone up by 20 points in these key games. That, that, that's what she did as MOP in the NCAA tournament. And now she just did that against a really good Las Vegas Aces team in the WNBA Finals two years after doing the same thing to Washington in the 2018 Finals, where I watched her do that down in Virginia. Right. And I think one of the things that you said that actually kind of got me thinking is that one of my favorite statistics of just the Storm and Sue and and her uh, longevity is that um, the Storm and Sue Bird are, I think it's now, what, 11-1 and one in final series mm-hmm. games, going back to... 2004. Is it 11 or yes. 11? Going back to 2004, right? So just like the utter ability to cl- like to close games when they matter most. And, of course, you know, Sue made that joke about, you know, oh, like, well, I've, you know, I'm that successful when I made it that far. <laughs> but I think when, you know... The game is on the line. A championship is on the line, and you need that closer. Like Sue has been part of those storm teams that have been able to do that through the years. And I think we're seeing, obviously, from 2018 and 2020, that Sue has that same thing within her, um, that same kind of closeout winning, kind of up to the next, you know, up the ante to the next level. Um, Gene. What Gino's? Um, so yeah, I think I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I. I just say, I think we're going to continue to see that, you know, in her What career. Gino Oriema said to us last week was they know when winning time is. And I just think that's 
the best way to explain it. You know, Gino, one of my, my favorite things, and obviously people have heard it a ton, but Gino talks about basketball being a game of when to, not how to. And there's that ad- added element of knowing when winning time is. And Diana Taurasi's got that. But to see Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart do it together, do it collectively, there will come a day where Brianna Stewart has to do this without Sue. And I don't have any doubt she's going to be able to do it. But to be able to see them do it together, you know, Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart are these singular figures in the history of the game. We're going to be talking about them as long as we are talking about women's basketball. And so it's a big deal that we get to see them at the height of their powers do it together. So it was just, just a privilege. But, but let's talk about uh, Gina Oriema, who, uh, as I understand it, has uh, some, some decent players this year as well. Um, I don't know... There, there's a, a, a new guard coming in, and I don't think she's gotten a lot of attention, um, Paige Beckers. But, you know, we should probably put a little bit of a spotlight on Paige, who uh, I've been obsessing about since sophomore year of high school. Uh, somebody reached out and was like, hey, you, you guys see the highlights on what this young woman is doing. And I, I turned to my wife, and I was just like, oh, my God, you have to see this. And that's, that's just like the reaction I feel like everybody gives to Paige. But, and we were talking a little bit about this off air before we came on. That's almost what you're getting from Gino. Gino is talking about her in a way people don't talk about freshmen. Right. And, you know, we were saying that he often is, uh, you know, he can be kind of harsh on freshmen and not only just like on the practice court, but to us, he can kind of be pretty blind about him not thinking that. You know, of course, he's exaggerating and being kind of dramatic about it. But, you know, you had a good example about Crystal Dangerfield, that she wasn't, um, I don't know, prepared or wasn't ready or wasn't good. at you know, Oh, he just like crushed her. her it, it was her freshman year, and we were in, we're in the Philadelphia Airport Marriott. And he's just, you know, I don't think Crystal's ever going to figure it out. And I don't know what she's doing out there. And like, I, I'm, she's done okay. She, you know, rookie of the year in the WNBA. Right, this is rookie of the year Crystal Dangerfield <laughs> are talking about. She did all right. She she made it, I think, after all. But but Paige, he's not doing that. He's talking about Paige as kind of leading this team. And so I want to ask you, and kind of leave it open-ended to, to give a sense, right? Like, all right, we say Seattle Storm right now. And it's, oh, Brianna Stewart, you know? And we say Connecticut Sun last year. Oh, John Paul Jones or Courtney Williams. And, you know, there's an identity. And what I was saying to you before is, I don't know what the identity of this UConn team is yet, which is not a knock on it. There are so many new pieces, and they'll figure it out. Gino always does. But I really don't know what their identity is, and and I'm curious how you see it at this point as somebody who knows this team better than anyone. Yeah, I think, um, well, my automatic answer would be there's still so much up in the air um, because there's seven newcomers, if you include the six freshmen, and then Avino Westbrook, who um, is now eligible and healthy and will be able to play this season. But if you had to kind of, you know, pinpoint maybe one player who is going to really be taking the charge of this team, um, I would say it's going to be Kristen Williams. I know Paige is getting a ton of attention, but I'm kind of just thinking that in terms of the, you know, the top scorer, someone with, more experience playing at the college level who's really going to be um, looked at to step up, I think it's going to be her. And she had such a, um, by her standards, disappointing sophomore year. And she, she really had, it was 
um, just like this really bad like shooting slump, kind of a confidence slump, um, kind of in late January and February, and was finally starting, it looks like, to come together right before the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament. Obviously, that's canceled. We didn't get to see what that would have looked like on the big stage. But she seems to be in a much better kind of mental place. Um, I think she um, kind of had that little kind of growing up to do that she did um, on the court. And I think um, I think the team's really going to be in her hands now. Because um, especially with so many newcomers, you just don't, you know, I think Paige <coughs> will be um, looking to make an impact right away. But you just really don't know how that's going to look. And True. I mean, really, Gino has said to us, I remember um, this was after the Notre Dame game last year, that every freshman besides literally Maya Moore, so even even Diana Taurasi, even Brianna Stewart, they had their some sort of like freshman struggle. Um, they didn't get it right away. Um, so unless Paige somehow becomes Maya Moore, which um, that would be that would be even something beyond, I think, most people's it's a big ask. But, um, it's a big ask. She could. We don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just reasonable to assume that, like, it might take her a little while to figure things out. But I think Kristen being that upperclassman leader, um, having been there before, I think they're going to be looking at her more I, than I think now. you're right. And, and, and people do overlook the fact that she was number one overall player in her class. I mean, Kristen Williams does not come in as some slouch. She right. has quite a resume coming in. And, and I agree with you. She was uh, – I, I just – the amount of – development time and storylines and games that we lost from COVID-19 canceling the NCAA tournament last year right up through the summer, it, it, it breaks my heart. And, and obviously there are bigger and more significant ways that this has impact our, impacted our society. But here in, in our corner of the world, Kristen Williams might have discovered herself in this fundamental way on the biggest stage last year and now we'll just never know it's one of these many things that we'll never yeah. know it makes me very sad I, I you know to me with Paige I think the physicality is the part that I'm looking for most of all is that you know she's and she knows she has to get stronger and she's talked to us about that as well but whether she right. can be physically where she needs to be feels to me as big or a bigger question than mentally where she needs to be just because her understanding of the game, her her ability to see where everybody is at all times, it, it reminds me of the greats. It, it, the greats, if you talk to the greats right after the game, they can remember where everyone was at every point at, in the game, almost like they have a DVR in their own heads. And Paige has that level of mental capacity when it comes to the game of basketball. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um you know, the physicality will be definitely different than high school. Um, but also, the de I'm sure, I, I'm just waiting for the day that Gino starts ripping her for her defense because he does that with, like, everyone. Like, at least from, you know, my last year, um, someone got called out for their bad defense. That's, I mean, that was, like, a lot A lot of last year was, like, Kristen and Anna Makarat. Um, so I'm curious to see how she kind of, you know, develops on that end. Um, but... She does have good instincts, it seems. So hopefully, too, once they kind of get her on the court and, you know, are working with her more, that that'll just continue to develop. But, um, I mean, I think her and um, my other kind of key freshman to watch is Aaliyah Edwards because I noticed the way that Gino talked about her uh, back to when she had signed and um, before she'd even gotten to campus. I, it just really um, kind of 
rung a bell. Like, it was just like, oh, my God, he's really high on her. Um, like, the way he described her, it was, it was this, I'm going to shout out Maria Marino from SNY, because this was, I think, an love interview it. with the her. Love it. great Maria Marino. He, we, we love, love Maria. Maria. Maria, if you're listening, love you. Um, but he was describing watching her play, and just with her intensity and rel- relentlessness, he was like, I got to mm-hmm. have that kid. And if you had maybe had heard him talk about a player without knowing who that was, you would think maybe he was talking about Paige, but no, that was mm-hmm. a bad word. So I think a lot of people are sleeping on her because there's so much focus on Paige. But the way, and she also got, um, I think it was Kristen and Olivia Nelson Nagoda gave her some early comparisons to Nafisa Collier um, already. I mean, so just the way her game is. So that's also very promising. What a, what a crazy thing that at UConn you can make Forget, you know, women's basketball to men's basketball. You just made UConn to UConn comics all day. Because there's, there's so many different shapes of talent, you know, when you think about the profiles of the way these, these, these players play. And Aubrey Griffin is another one who we haven't talked about and we need to, Pride of Austin in high school. And Aubrey Griffin is somebody, you, you were with me. I think we were sitting next to each other at this one. It was in Seton Hall at Walsh Gymnasium. Do you, do you remember... Oh, when you could go to games and cover them in person, and like there would be people surrounding you, uh, it, it was oh I missed that. That was such a fun time. It feels like twenty it years ago. Like twenty years ago, but that was like that was what like January, right? Like I mean that was that was not yeah. that long ago. But we were in that gym, and Aubrey Griffin went back on defense uh, on on what was a Seton Hall fast break, and she blocked a shot, and the sound reverberated oh, in the God. gym and it was just I'll never forget that as long as I live it was so striking but Andre Griffin whose offense needs to catch up to her defense and I think it will she is just another X factor that when you think about what the UConn team can do can throw at teams if you if you have somebody like Aaliyah Edwards is able to incorporate into the UConn defense, and Aubrey Griffin, she just blows up plays. She's like, like in, in in football, a defensive back who comes in and destroys whatever's going on. That's what she does time and time and time again, and she's only a sophomore. Yeah, I mean, she had such great bursts or um, just great moments last year, and she was another player who, too, also seemed to be figuring out towards the end of the season. I think she was on the all-tournament team she today. She um, Tournament, mm-hmm. right? Um, she, had that, she had some just really amazing – I mean, we had talked about her defense and how – I mean, I, I'm with you. I will never forget, like, the sound of that block. Um, and it was just, you know, her defense was able to um, – was way ahead of her offense. But, her, you know, her rebounding, her ability to get to the line, that was all kind of – still making her able to, to have an impact, even though um, maybe she wasn't as comfortable on offense. But I think the way that Gina talked about her, um, we didn't talk about her at this last availability, but the one before in August, right. um, he was really happy with just um, her progress. Um, I think he said that he, she was like 100 times better or something <laughs> like that. Um, and she played with her brothers. They were both, um, you know, big men's basketball players at the yeah. college level. And um, I think, you know, that's another example, too, where she's had that year under her belt um, in the UConn system. She's going to keep developing physically. Um, and so now that she's going to have all of that under kind of under her belt, that it's going to really translate on the court. And we'll probably see, I think, a similarly impactful Aubrey on defense 
maybe one that two can um, also do some things on offense. It, as well. It's just good to see UConn finally on the cusp of some success as a program, you know, because they they've been trying to break through for a long time. So to see them finally reach that, um, yeah, I mean, they're <laughs> going to be scary, as they always are. <laughs> As they universally are, and of course, like you said, you know, players under that staff who play with Gino, who play with CD, they they get so much better from the start of the year to the end of the year. It is going to be remarkably fun to watch. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And I really hope we get to do it in person at some point. That would be delightful because there's nothing like hearing an Aubrey Griffin block shot in person. So, Alexa. I've taken too much of your time, so I, I'm going to let you go, but I just tell people once more where they can find your work, and, and everybody, everybody, follow Alexa, support what she does. It's really important. She's really, really good at it. I appreciate that, Howard. Thank you so much for all this. Um, you can find me on Twitter, um, at Alexa Philippou. It's P-H-I-L-I-P-P-O-U. Um, if you're not on Twitter, then just be sure to keep um, checking um, current.com for all of your UConn updates. I'm going to be coming at you full force uh, before you know it with a bunch of um, kind of updates on what the season's going to look like, if they're going to be doing bubbles, how that's going to work. I have no idea. Still a lot to be determined. Um, it's kind of crazy to think we're about seven weeks out and there still seems to be a lot of question marks, okay. but hopefully we'll... Um, be able to answer that. It's today. very exciting, and here's hoping that we follow your coverage in 2021, and here's hoping there even is a 2021. Yes, that is, I'm with you there. <laughs> um, we're you there. we're <laughs> both pro there being a 2021. Yes, very, very brave of us. <laughs> well, Alexa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Howard. Thank you so much.